change everything about the way that we live. God, just being able to sit in your presence and just soak in your love, no matter how anybody came this morning, God, we come as we are. And we get to soak in the love of Jesus that was proved to us on the cross that you love us no matter what. That there is nothing more powerful in our lives than the cross of Jesus. There is nothing that we've done, are doing, or will do that is more powerful than the cross of Jesus to forgive. And so we just sit in your love for these moments, Lord. That you are a king. And that, God, when we focus on you, everything else that we chase fades away. And so, Lord, I pray that in these moments, your spirit would just speak to our hearts to change us from the inside out so that we are one-minded, devoted to you, Father. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you sit down, why don't you go ahead and find five people and try to make it five people that you have never introduced yourself to before. Go. All right. Go ahead and find your seats. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. As you find your seat, find your Bible. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can go on your phone or you can find uh, a Bible under the seat in front of you somewhere close. Um, we're going to be in 1 Peter 1, uh, verse 3 through 12. 1 Peter 1, verse 3 through 12. Bob started the series out, Resident Aliens, last week, which is an incredibly great title. Uh, because of Jesus, this is not our home. So for anyone who has given their life to Jesus to be their Savior, this is not your home, right? And on some days, honestly, I'm like, I like life here, right? I do. But on a lot of days, there's some stuff in my life where I'm like, I am so glad this is not my home. Because I have, a, I have a hope that keeps me going no matter what my circumstances. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Beyond just hoping for the future, 1 Peter helps us define what it looks like to really live the abundant life that Jesus promised we could live in his name. So... We're going to start right off reading 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 12. 1 Peter 1, right in verse 3. says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he caused us to be born again. To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, all of that we just read, in this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. And those trials are so that the tested genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold that perishes even though it is tested by fire, your faith may be found to result in praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him 
and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. That was like drinking from a fire hydrant, right? But I'm, I, it was more like drinking from a fire hydrant that was filled with like vegetable juice, right? I, that's kind of bad because vegetable juice is nasty, but it's really good for you, right? I mean, that was a lot, but I can tell you this, for anyone in these moments that is suffering in life, that passage is about the best passage that you could ever hear. Let me say that again. If you're here this morning and you are suffering, this passage should give you hope that transforms the way that you think, the way that you live your everyday life. I remember specifically a day some time ago. When like life for me and Heather and our whole family was extremely hard. It felt like I was working really, really hard. Everything was emotional. I was angry all the time for no reason. My marriage was not great and my kids constantly wanted to play with me. You ever been there? It's like they, all, they constantly wanted to play with me but I was emotionally exhausted, right? And I did not want to engage on any level. I remember those days, and I, I, I pray all the time that the Lord, by his grace, will have saved my children from having been scarred by hearing over and over again, no, I'm not going to play with you right now. Like, I'm tired. No, leave me. No, go find something to do yourself, right? Man, my life felt so out of control in a lot of ways, and it didn't feel like God heard me at all. Now, in different parts of my life, I have these different ways. You like my voice this morning? I sound like a man for once. <laughs> it's, it's like an octave lower and raspy. Um, so just bear with me. Um, but I have a lot of different ways that I uh, cry out to the Lord in different seasons of my life. Like if I'm just, if all I want is peace in my life and everything around me seems to just be going crazy and life outside of my head um, is so loud that I can't concentrate... I'll just go and I'll just lay on my back. I mean, this is seriously what I do. I lay on my back with my feet hanging off the edge of my bed and just pray until I fall asleep. That's it. I just pray until I fall asleep. I'm just crying out to God, but I'm just praying in peace until I fall asleep. Other times, um, and Heather knows this, when I get like when I get angry, if I'm just a little angry, it comes out. If I'm really angry, I held I hold everything in. And so Heather gets she, she gets scared when, like, I start to hold everything in. She's like, oh, my goodness, now there's something wrong. And so a lot of times she, she'll encourage me. she say, you need to go for a walk. You need to go for a walk. Um, and so that's, like, for me, the best thing I could do um, is just walk and walk. And it doesn't matter how cold it is outside. I'll walk until I break out. 
Really, I mean, I will. Um, I'll just walk and walk and walk, but I'll pray and I'll cry out to God. The other way that I find useful for myself um, is to just scream. <laughs> and so I remember one day um, I was in my car and I was driving south on Merle Hay, uh, just under the interstate up toward Merle Hay Road. And as I'm driving, I am just in my car, and it was this, these, this time in my life that I just described to you, and I am just screaming at the top of my lungs at God, and I'm like shaking my fist just to, God, will you please answer me? Like, what is going on? I read that you're real. I know that you're real, but I'm not hearing a thing. And I'm just screaming, I'm screaming, I'm screaming, and then... When I calm down, I put this song on by David Crowder. And if you know Heather and I, I am the biggest David Crowder fan you'll ever know. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. She thinks she is. But um, anyway, we, uh, we love David Crowder. And the words to his songs really speak to us. And so I go from yelling in my car to putting this David Crowder song on. And I go from yelling to just bawling. I'm just bawling. And usually, Heather and I both confess we are usually the people that if we're stuck at a red light and we see you singing in your car uh, to nobody else is in there, we're going to make fun of you. Um, but I was in my car at a, at a red light going from this to just, uh, just crying. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I hope nobody saw that because I can guarantee you I would have been the person like, oh, shoot, they're not singing. They're crying. I feel bad now. Like, uh, So... Anyway, I just go from bawling, right? And so I want to read you the words to that song that I listened to, right? It's called Let Me Feel You Shine because that's how I feel like in that moment. I was like, anything, God. I just wanted something from you. Come on. And so this, these are the words of that song. This place is trying to break my belief. My faith is bigger than all that I can see. What I need is redemption, what I need is for you to put me back on my feet. I swear I'm trying to give everything, but, I'm feel, I, but I feel I'm falling. Oh, make me believe. What I need is resurrection. What I need is for you to put me back on my feet. If I could feel you shine, and at this point I went from just bawling to just, just everything I could, singing out these words. If I could feel you shine your perpetual light, then maybe I could crawl out of this tonight. If I could feel you shine, let me feel you shine. So beautiful and warm, so beautiful and bright, like a sun coming out on a rainy sky. Let me feel you shine. Let me feel you shine. Then it goes on. I lift the knife to the thing I love most. Praying you'll come so that I can have both. What I need is for you to touch me. What I need is for you to be the thing that I need. If I could feel you shine your perpetual light, then maybe I could crawl out of this tonight. If I could feel you shine so beautiful and warm, so beautiful and bright, like a sun coming out on a rainy sky, oh, let me feel you shine. And I am just begging God to let me feel something from him. That is what this passage is all about because sometimes all we can see is the pain in front of us. 
Sometimes we're so distracted by the negative and the hurt and the pain and the suffering that we're experiencing in the moment. We have blinders on and we can't see anything else that God is doing. Even though right on that side of that blinder, God could be doing miracles. I'm not going to see it because my pain is so real to me in those moments. Right? You ever been there? Maybe you're there right now. But I can promise you this, if you haven't been, you will be. Jesus promises that, (laughs) that you're going to get to that point. I want you to remember this, that hope lives in eternity, but eternity starts now. Hope lives in eternity, but eternity starts now. That's the point of what Jesus said In John 10.10 when he said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief is Satan. Everything that he does in your life, every blinder that he puts on because of the pain in your heart, right, is meant to pull you away, distract you, to get you to the point that you're not only hurting, but he destroys every semblance of God honor in your life. That there is nothing left for you but than just to wallow in your pain. But guess what? That's kind of where God wants you as well. When there, it, there's absolutely nothing left in this world than for me to just get on my knees, to be driving in my car and screaming and yelling and begging God to hear me, that's exactly where he wants you, little does Satan know. Right? Because God is more powerful than Satan. Because Jesus goes on to say that the thief may come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. How do we do that? Like, how do you get to the point where no matter what I'm feeling, my pain feels so drowning that I can still, day to day, choose abundance? I can choose joy. I can look my situation in the face and say, Satan, I don't belong to you. I belong to Jesus. How in the world do we do that? Let's go through this passage. That's what this is all about. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, it's about Jesus. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. According to his great mercy, get this, he caused us to be born again. According to his great mercy, he caused us to be born again. There is nothing that you can do to work harder, to change your habits, to meet the right person, to get the right job, to attain the abundant life. It doesn't happen. People are rich all over this country. People are rich all over the world who are absolutely lost and in pain and suffering inside, well, outside, outwardly. We see that. That's, that's what the terrible thing about uh, TV is, right? It's also what the terrible thing about Facebook is. It's a bit, because we, we look at Facebook and we start to compare our behind the scenes with everyone else's highlight reel. And we're like, shoot, I want that. If only I could have that. If only I could have this. If only my life was like that. That person looks happy. Well, guess what? They showed you a little picture of the happiness of their life while their, their, their home life is falling apart. But they will never show you that, Right? Because we don't want to show our cards. We don't want people to know while we're suffering. Guess what? That's not what the church is for. That's not why Jesus started this thing. 
Jesus started this thing so that his people, when they suffer, could come together, build each other up, and go out. And in the midst of their suffering, a lost world can see hope in the middle of that. You get what I'm saying? So don't hide behind your suffering. Embrace it and ask God, beg God to turn that suffering into a blessing somehow in your life. I mean, that's what Christianity is all about. That hope lives in eternity, but eternity starts right now. It's not something that we're just looking forward to. It's something that we can enjoy right now. So by his great mercy, he caused us to be born again. To what? To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I think of Frankenstein in that moment, right? Something that when you hear the word, like it, you think of um, hope. It's not really like a living word, and, it's some, and, it, and it feels future, right? Well, Frankenstein, this could be a horrible illustration, but it was the first thing that popped in my head. So Frankenstein, this thing that's supposed to be dead, you got doctor, whoever that was. It's alive, right? Hope is alive. Satan wants you to stay in the place where it's just laying on a table dead and you're hoping that someday it will come alive in your life. And you know the truth about the fact that someday when I go to heaven, all pain's going to be gone. Right? That's true. But guess what? Hope is meant to be alive for you right now so that as you feel the pain in the moments of your life, you are meant to live. You are meant to live. That's why it says born again. You are dead to your old self. You're born again to life in Jesus, right? That's why we baptize people in water. When you're baptized, you're identifying going down under the water with the death, burial, and resurrection to new life in Jesus Christ. That's what it's supposed to be. But there's never a promise that it's going to be without suffering, right? This is what I'm not saying is that life without suffering is possible or that we should even strive after a life without suffering. John 16, says this. Jesus says this. I have said these things that in, you, in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble. That's a promise. Like this is not just like your car breaks down kind of trouble. Unless your car breaking down breaks the bank for you, right? That's the kind of trouble I'm talking about. Trouble that is is life-changing, earth-shattering, like I have no idea how I'm coming out of this pit. That's the kind of trouble he's talking about. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, because I, Jesus, have overcome the world. We're not after a life without suffering, because what Peter is encouraging here is when you suffer, how will you respond? You remember um, in October of 2015, we spoke series on First Peter. And the message on this section was called Suffering Well. Right? Because the, the promise is that you will suffer. The question is, will you just suffer? Or will you suffer in Jesus? You have two choices. You can just suffer and suffer and suffer with no way out. Except the things that you chase in this world. Right? Or you can choose, I'm going to suffer in Jesus. And guess what? I don't know what that looks like for you. For me, sometimes suffering in Jesus screaming at the top of my lungs driving in my car. Right? I don't know what else to do. The point is, I'm running to the one 
who can change not my circumstance, but change my heart, right? He never promises to change your circumstance. That is a lie from Satan. Let me tell you right now, if you think that just because you cry out to Jesus, he's going to change your circumstances, he doesn't promise that anywhere, right? Your circumstance may never change, but he will give you what you need inside your heart to change who you are to be able to walk through that with integrity and uprightness, right? So don't expect your circumstances to change. Expect God through Jesus to change you. You get that? This is the abundant life that Jesus is offering. Let's go on, verse 4 to 5. It says, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Guess what? Someday, this is true, someday your inheritance, what you gain through salvation, will be fully realized when you stand face to face with Jesus, your Savior, right? But here's the deal. If you are in Christ, you know you can't lose. You can't lose, right? Because there's some people sitting in the room right now that feel like I'm losing. I'm losing. I'm losing. But if you are in Jesus, you can't lose. We sing that song, You Hold Me Now. And it talks about the fact that, hey, we look forward to a day, like on the day when I see your face and there's no more pain, there's no more crying, there's no more suffering. And then what does it say? But you hold me now, right? God is powerful enough to hold you in your faith, your faith, right? It's not God's faith. God has unlimited faith. This is your faith. He has enough power to hold every single person in this room to Jesus. Right? That in in inheritance is unfading and it's kept by God's power in heaven for you. And then it goes on, verse 6. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. The word there for, for trials is periosmos or something like that. But that's how it looks in the Greek. Um, and that actually means a test meant to refine you, right? There's two kinds of tests. A test meant to destroy you, that's from Satan. A test meant to refine you is from Jesus, is from God, right? God wants to change who you are inside and how you respond to suffering. So if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Why? So that... The tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire. Your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is one of the greatest things that anyone who is suffering can hear. Guess what? That means it's one of the greatest things that all of us can hear. Because you are going to suffer. You may remember a time in your life when you did suffer, right? But guess what? If you suffer, it is so that your faith, when it is tested, it comes out on the other side genuine. Because no matter how hard that trial was, God meant it to grow you. God meant it to refine you. And guess what? He's big enough to watch you go through the struggle of refinement. God is not 
God's not threatened by you screaming your head off at him. He watches you like a good father. He watches you and has compassion on you when you are just laying your heart out for him. He doesn't scold you like sometimes an earthly father was. Honestly, sometimes I look at my kids and say, stop whining. Right? What do you have to cry about? I'll give you something to cry about. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Cesar's like, no, you're not. That's not what God does. God is big enough and powerful enough to let us go through the process. Right? That's called sanctification. We're becoming more like Jesus and less like the world. We're chasing after Jesus and less, less after the things of the world. You can argue with God. You can yell at God. You can cry. But do not ever give up. Don't give up. Because he hears you. He knows you, and he loves you, even when it doesn't feel like he does. Don't give up, because he's holding you. Here's the deal. Why are you tested? Why, would, why wouldn't God just allow you to have, like when we think of an abundant life, it's, you think of uh, comfort, you think of give me everything I want, you think of all these things. Well, why, God, why doesn't God just let you have those things? Guess what? Because all of those things come from earthly things, from the earth. Satan wants us so wrapped up in chasing after earthly things, right? So God allows us to be tested so that we crumble when we chase those things, right? If you have been chasing earthly means for your happiness, I guarantee you, God wants you to the point where none of that will ever satisfy you and you're at the bottom of the pit and the only thing you have left is to look up and scream and cry out to God. That's why he lets you be tested. So that he chisels away at your life everything that is earthly so that all you have left is to cry out to Jesus. He wants in your life to be the only thing that you pursue. When he becomes the only thing that you pursue, you will have the abundant life. Because guess what happens? As soon as he's the most important thing that you could ever pursue, then you become content with anything that you could ever have on this planet. So whether you have a lot or a little, Paul says it, I have learned the secret. I am content whether I have plenty or whether I have little, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That verse does not mean I can jump off a bridge and live, right? Just because Christ is strengthening me. You're still human, right? What it does mean is that Christ strengthens me. He changes me. He transforms who I am so that he is the most important thing to me. And when he becomes the most important thing to me, then I'm content with anything that he desires to give me, right? And then it goes even further, and I see that anything that he desires to give me, he gives me so that I can carry out his mission that he has for me on this planet. It's not about me. It's about God finding favor and joy in using broken people who have nothing to fulfill his purposes on this planet. You, you understand why you are here? Number one, to give God glory. And number two, he wants you to live an abundant life. But 
we just have to redefine what it means to live an abundant life. This is what the blood of Jesus accomplished for us when Jesus died on the cross. It's not just waiting and hoping for eternity in heaven. It's a daily hope. It's a living hope that can change the very way that we suffer. The band's going to come back up, and we're going to continue in worship. We're going to take communion. communion. All communion is is Jesus with his disciples at the Last Supper before he went to die. He gave them bread, and he gave them wine. And he said, I want you, as often as you take these things, to take these things so that you're minded to remember what I did for you. It's just symbols. It's bread, and it's a cup that say, man, Jesus, like, you didn't just die so that I could have everything I wanted to. You died so that I could be changed from the inside out, so that I can have hope now as I live day to day, not just hope for heaven. And also, we look forward to the day when we will see Jesus face to face. You look at verse 12. It says, in these things that, you, that have been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Even angels wonder and ponder the power of what actually took place in humanity when Jesus died on the cross. Like This is not only Peter's encouragement to the audience who he was writing this to, who was suffering because of their faith and scattered throughout the known world at that time. It's his encouragement to us today, and it changes the way that we suffer. It changes how we live every single day of our life. So the last thing that I'm going to say is stop trying to change yourself. Let God do it. Let God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, change you from the inside out. Stop trying so hard because you're going to get exhausted, right? So in these moments, you're just going to have a few moments of silence. And I want you to come before God. And I, if you need to get on your knees and posture before him, that's fine. But I want every person in the room to just close their eyes. And to get with you and God, and it starts right now. I don't care if you've been saved for a gazillion years, right? It starts right now for every single person in the room that we tell God, if this is your real desire, God, I want you to change me because of Jesus from the inside out. You start to get honest with him. So just take a few moments, and then we're going to worship together. God, we, uh, we just want to be lost in who Jesus is. And nothing is more powerful than the cross of Jesus. You are a mighty God. You are a strong God. We fight for the God of the universe. We can't lose. 
Lord, we need you. We are so desperate to be brought to the end of anything that we could desire other than you. So, Father, just, oh, man, meet us here. Change us from the inside out, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing one more song together. And um, this song is just a prayer. It says, oh, great God, just please give us rest. And this is one of the songs in my life that I most identify with. And so my prayer is just that you would find yourself somewhere.